to help you or a loved one to know there is hope to end the nightmares of addiction, as well as local resources to help in your journey of recovery. Do not stop any medical therapies prescribed by your doctor or attempt anything we discuss without consulting a medical professional. song welcome to recovering hope hope you're doing well this evening my name is mark markley and pleasure to be here with you again this evening we are here to assure you that no matter how bad a situation might look in the area of addictions there's hope and we have a couple of special guests that we'll be speaking with this evening that will vouch for that because they are living examples of it. And uh, if you've been following this program at all, there are plenty of people that have, that have been part of this program. Yes, I know, sadly, there are some that have stories where their addicted loved one did not make it through this battle. But it is a battle. It is a war. And at times there are going to be casualties. And we are here to try to keep that to a minimum. If you have any questions that you would like addressed, um, you can email me before, or, or rather, not before the show because the show is on, uh, during or after the program. The email is mark at recoveringhope.org. And last week, for the first time on this program, I read the Serenity Prayer, and it was kind of strange how there were several different things that just all came together last week um, that kind of validated that maybe I should do that on a regular basis. And, and without going into too much detail, um, I had the thought of, you know, reading the prayer, making it part of the show. Then I was communicating with a woman. I went to her Facebook page. Right there, front and center, was the full serenity prayer with the author who I had looked up earlier. And then I was cleaning up my room, going through all my books and things, and I found a bookmark what I was using it as a bookmark. It was the mass card for my mother's uh, funeral back in, I think that was 08. And on the back of that mass card was the serenity prayer. So here it goes, folks. Um, God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Those of you who are in 12-step programs, they read this at every meeting. I've been to several over the years, and it, that prayer has so much meaning. And again, it's like, yeah, Mark, that's why we do it. <laughs> um, there's a lot of meaning in that, and I hope that it, uh, it, it may have a, a positive impact on you this evening. As usual, I'd like to review what we uh, went over last week. And last week, I was uh, very thankful to have Kenny House as our guest. Um, Kenny is the clinical director at Coastal Horizons. Uh, he's been with Coastal Horizons for 42 years. I didn't think Kenny was that old. I just saw him the other day, too. He, he doesn't look 52. <laughs> um, Coastal Horizons has been in Wilmington for 50 years. They are a comprehensive and holistic organization when it comes to mental health and addiction, which goes hand-in-hand hand, you know, with your overall health, and Kenny alluded to that. Um, we spoke briefly about some new legislation uh, regarding doctors' ability to prescribe buprenorphine without a special waiver or the education they should have to properly assist an individual in recovery. Uh, for those of you who don't know, buprenorphine um, is a drug that is uh, intended, and I do believe it, it works this way, to block the cravings and or the effects that opiates will have on an individual. However, it is also very addictive, um, and if it's mismanaged, not properly prescribed, and followed up with, and again, this was Kenny's point, because there's new legislation that said um, just about any doctor can prescribe a buprenorphine. It doesn't have to be a select few. Again, if you are familiar with recovery in this region, 
uh, it's far and few between the doctors that are licensed to prescribe that. So now that is changing. But again, the very good point brought up by Kenny that um, without the counseling and or the peer support, uh, doctors could possibly be doing more harm than good without that proper support. So if you or someone that you know um, is are, are taking uh, another word for it is suboxone, but the technical term is buprenorphine, it's important that they don't stay on it longer than they need to. How long do they need to? I don't know. I would think anything more than six months is too much. Maybe you have a different opinion. You can let us know. Um, the phone lines are actually open now, if you would like, before we uh, interview our first guest. The, the call-in line is 299-7535. Uh, feel free to call, comment, or any suggestions, uh, whatever you may have. Getting back to last week, uh, Kenny also pointed out the connection between diabetes and depression. I was very surprised at that, by that, as you may be also. But you see, this is an example of why they do what they call their comprehensive clinical assessment and how it's so crucial in helping someone with whatever they're struggling with. This is not a one-size-fits-all um, field or, or topic. You know, recovery is very complex and, and can be very difficult. Another point Kenny made is that if someone slips up in the process of recovery, that doesn't mean that they failed. It's part of the process. Keep going. It's just, it's one more step. You know, you, you, if you're on a diet and you have something you're not supposed to eat, well, next day, next meal, make up for it. Keep going back. Recovery is a lot tougher than diets, although some diets can be very difficult. Um, so, you know, again, it's, it's his opinion and that of many, many other experts. If you relapse, if you slip up, just start again. Start day one again. I've mentioned this numerous times on the show. As a matter of fact, uh, uh, Kevin Alter uh, is is a fella that uh, has been in recovery for, I think he's got about six years clean. He now owns his own rehab facility. He's he's done very well for himself. He was in treatment, rehabilitation treatment, you know, hardcore, full board, 29 times before he had finally seen the light. Uh, this is another point that Kenny brought up. The average lifespan of someone dealing with addiction is typically 25 years less than the general population. This is not always a result of an overdose or other direct consequence of the drug. It's often because they have neglected other chronic health conditions that go undiagnosed or overlooked. This is one reason I believe Coastal Horizons is such a great choice in this battle of addiction. And it was kind of nice... um, Last week, I think as, as I was walking into my house, I, I gave out the prodigal uh, recovery phone number, which, by the way, is 338-3795. That also rings on my mobile. Uh, a woman named Paige called me, and she, was, um, she heard the program, and she called to compliment Coastal Horizons Outpatient Services. It truly helped her in her recovery. She couldn't emphasize that enough. She kept saying again and again that they're outpatient service because not everybody necessarily needs to, to have an inpatient treatment program. She was able to stay with her job, but she followed up and she, she did what she was supposed to do. It took some time. Um, she also mentioned that she had relapsed uh, some time ago, but she got right back and, and she's doing great. Um, we, I was very... Um, happy to hear that call. She was just so enthusiastic about Coastal Horizon. So, Kenny, I don't know if you're listening, but thank you. And um, I would be remiss if I did not give you Coastal Horizon's contact information. Their phone number is 343-0145. They're located at 16, uh, sorry, 615 Shipyard Boulevard. That's down by the corner of Shipyard and Carolina Beach Road there. And their website is coastalhorizons.org. What I've got next here is something that I came across probably a a couple of years ago. And I've found it in my file every now and then. And I've thought about reading this on the program. Uh, This is tough, folks. This This is from the perspective of an active addict. 
most likely on heroin. Um, stop what you're doing and tune in if you can. And this particularly hit home for me, and I know it did for my wife as well. I'm your child or spouse or friend, but I've changed. I don't belong to you anymore. I don't care about you, not in the way you want me to. I care about getting high. I want to get high. I will do anything to get high. I love getting high. I need to get high, and I will step over you to do it. When I look at you, I don't see you. I see a means to an end. You have money. I want it. End of story. I don't care if you can't pay the rent. I don't care if you need groceries. I don't care if you promise not to give me money again. I don't care if you lie to dad. I don't care if you're broke. Sell your rings. Take a loan. Sell your electronics. Max out your credit cards. Borrow the money from someone else because if you don't, I will steal it. I will find a way to get high. You think you can change me or save me, but you're wrong. Something cold and dead slithers in me. You can cry all you want. Your tears won't change anything. I your heart over and over again. I don't have a heart. I have a hunger. It's calculated and manipulative, and it owns me. In a strange way, you're thankful for this. For when I need something, I find you. Quick. Then, when I've gotten what I want from you, I leave. You're anxious without me. You offer to buy my food or pay my rent. By now, you need, your need is almost as great as mine. I can't stay sick without me. You can't breathe without me. You think you're helping me? You believe you're making a difference? What you're really helping is my addiction. I won't tell you this, but you know it deep down. If we keep going like this, one or both of us will die. Me from an overdose that you paid for and you from a heart attack or stroke. You'll wait years for me to change or see the light. You keep my secrets and protect my lies. You clean up my messes and bail me out. You love me to the exclusion of everyone else. But I'm not the only one who changed. You're bitter and resentful. You hide from your friends and isolate. Your world revolves around one thing only, me. But will your love ever become greater than your fear? Would you be strong enough to reach out for help? Will you learn to say no? Will you allow me to experience the consequences of my actions? Will you love me enough to feel your guilt and stop enabling my addiction? I lay trapped within the confines of this cold, dark serpent addiction, and I am dying. That is so true. That is so true. And when I read the part about you'll hide from your friends and isolate, yeah, that's, that's what we did. It was horrible. I would like you to use an expletive in front of that, but I typically don't speak that way, especially on the radio. It was really, really horrible. As it turns out, when I looked at the author of this note, her name is Laura Lee Rosano. I doubt anybody remembers me reading something from her last week. I've, I've made contact with, with this woman. Um, she is an author. She lives in the Northwest. And she actually might be joining the show tomorrow evening. I'm sorry, next week. Um, she's written a, a number of books, Jagged Little Edges, Jagged Little Lies. Um, she actually wrote a book for youngsters to help them to understand addiction. She has a great um, series of short essays like this on her Facebook page. Laura Lee Rosano, L-O-R-E-L-I-E, Rosano, R-O-Z-Z-A-N-O. If you don't get that information, if you uh, go to my Facebook page, Mark Markley, this um, program is streamed live on there. You can ask me questions. I, I, if you want a copy of this dreadful yet true um, story, I'll, I'll send it to you if you like. But um, I was really surprised when I saw that the, the same author is this person that I've been speaking to and, and how true and, and horrible and uh, heartbreaking that that is. 
I also wanted to read something today. When I opened up um, my devotional for this morning, there was a sticky note on this page. I've been reading the same book. It's called uh, Experiencing God Day by Day. I've been reading this for probably the better part of 20 years every morning. And the sticky note says, will someone be drawn closer to God as a result of Joe's death? Our dear friend, Joe Sheridan, I believe passed away one year ago today. What a great guy he was. He was a great mentor to my son, Chris. Um, Chris uh, worked for Joe. Joe was in the fiber optic splicing business. He is one of the best in the business, and he taught my son very, very well. Fiber optic splicing is one of the most difficult um, jobs, splicing fiber optics, which are I've, I've been told are thinner than your hair and you have to put them together, is a very, very complex and difficult um, job. But Joe taught Chris. Chris knew it very well, and they, they, did, they did very well together until um, Joe lost a local contract. Work kind of dried up. But uh, to, to the Sheridan family, uh, we express our condolences. And today's devotional is just something I want to read before we uh, stop for our first break here. The, the title is, Are You Being Made Perfect?, Scripture is from Hebrews. Though he was a son, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. There's a positive aspect to suffering. And this is why I thought that this would be appropriate to read on, the, on this program, because a lot of people are suffering. We all endure suffering to some degree, but the good news is that through it, we can become like Jesus. Are you willing to pay whatever price is necessary in order to become like Christ? There are some things that God can build into your life only through suffering. And I'm going to pause there and say that my knowledge and wisdom and, and, and experience and, and concern for those with addiction, I learned that from suffering. Even Jesus, the sinless Son of God, was complete only after he had endured the suffering his Father had set before him. Once he had suffered... He was the complete, mature, and perfect Savior through whom an entire world could find salvation. If you become bitter over your hardships, you close some parts of your life from God. If you do this, you'll never be complete. Some places in your soul can be reached only by suffering. The Spirit of God has important things to teach you, but you can only learn these lessons in the midst of your trials. King Saul was made king without ever enduring hardship but he never developed the character or maturity to handle God's assignment. David spent years in suffering and heartache. When he finally ascended the throne, he was a man after God's own heart. Don't resent the suffering God allows in your life. Don't make all your decisions and invest everything you have into avoiding hardship. God did not spare his own son. How can we expect him to spare us? Learn obedience when it hurts. Sometimes life gives us some tough lessons, but you've heard the old saying to make lemonade out of those lemons, and um, hopefully we, we can do that. We're going to go to our first break here, folks. Um, I went a little bit long there, and I've got a little bit more to get to before we bring in our first guest, which will be Herb Stefferson of Junk Box Diaries. Herb, if you're listening, we'll be calling you shortly, sir. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Welcome back to Recovering Hope. My, my pleasure to be here. My name is Mark Markley, and uh, we're here to let you know, as the name of the show suggests, there is hope in recovery. And before we get to our guest this evening, there's just something else I just wanted to read here. Um, this was from oh, one of my best sources, Facebook. <laughs> um, this might have just been, no, it was yesterday. A woman wrote, I would like to add my son, born May of 88, died 11 of 2020. I found him in his room. It was the worst day of my life, my only child. 
We also lost his best friend this year as well. Let me know what I need to do. I would like to add Blake and his friend to the banner as well as we were his adopted family. The banner she's referring to is that of a woman named Frida McDonald, again, a friend of the program. She has an organization called No Hope, which is spelled K-N-O-W. There is hope, and she wants us to know that, as did her sons. She lost two sons. And then there was a reply to this um, post. She said, Christy, I understand your pain and heartache. I too lost my son on 10-22 of last year. Sending hugs, love, and prayers to you and your family and friends. A little while after reading that, I looked at it again, and it was the mother of a friend of ours named Austin Jarrett. Um, we did a little tribute to him the next show after that, that day that he died, 1022. He was very close to my friend Chris, to my friend Chris. And, you know, we read about these things, we hear about them time and time and time again. So many overdose deaths. Um, just when is it going to be enough where people are really going to get off their assets and really do something? That's one thing I'm trying to do here, folks. I hope this is making a difference. Something else in my In the News segment. When this new administration stated that they are devoting $100 billion over the next 10 years to this, they called it an epidemic. It is a pandemic. It was really hard for me to watch as some of my counterparts in advocacy cheered because to them it sounded like a gift because they didn't understand or had never looked at the previous administration's funding numbers. It's actually a huge curse. This move will cut our current federal funding in half as they move it from the $25 billion a year we have had for the past four years and reduce it to $12.5 billion a year for the next 10 years. These funds are beyond critical for all our state-funded intervention programs and our state-funded grant programs to advocacy groups, including the Narcan distribution programs. And I wrote a little side note here that I wholeheartedly do not believe that politics should get in the way of recovery. I know with some it does, and that's very sad. I think I said this last week. If someone is in need of help, are you going to ask who they voted for? Come on, man. That's, that's just crazy. The amount of money, again, they cut it in half. This administration cut it in half from 25 to $12.5 billion. I've mentioned a few times on this program that the estimated cost that COVID has, has cost this nation is $16 trillion. Divided by the population of the United States, that's every man, woman, and child, is about $45,000 per person for COVID. That's a lot of money for a mask, don't you think? We need to get our priorities straight and, and get the funding that is needed, that is obviously there. Just print some more. But let's help the people out like these families who lost their loved ones. No money, no money in the amount of money in the world is going to bring their loved one back. But I'm going to tell you, it'll make life a little easier. Okay, I'm going to step off my box here for a little bit. And um, TK, if you could bring Herb in. Is he there already? Wow, you're fast. Yeah, yeah, Herb's here. Hey, What's Herb. Happening? Hey, how you doing, What's bud? What's going on? How we doing, man? Uh, happy uh, Wednesday evening to you all. Thanks for having me. Yes, and uh, New Year and last Wednesday of this month and all that stuff. Um, were, you uh, able to t- were you able to tune in to any of the show before this, uh, Herb? Yeah. Yeah, I was, uh, I was, I had you on speaker and mute, just kind of sitting here listening to your little stump talk. <laughs> yeah, um, I don't know if you heard that thing called, you know, I, I, I want to get high or I need to get high. Um, yes, like from the perspective of somebody who's in active opiate addiction and and what they will do, which is virtually anything they need to do, they'll say anything they need to say, and 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 it's saying right there in that little essay that like this is not me. I'm I'm a I'm practically dead, but I just need my mm-hmm. drugs and I'll do anything to do it. Um, why don't you give us a little bit of back, uh, background on yourself, there, Herb? I think you can relate to uh, that. Yeah, absolutely, uh, Herb Steverson. I'm uh, currently sitting in a little town that none of you have ever heard of, <laughs> called Valparaiso, Indiana. 
Okay. We're a suburb of Chicago. Um, our northern shores uh, touch uh, the beautiful Lake Michigan. Mm-hmm. 35 years old. Uh, married four children, two dogs. <laughs> um, a nationally certified uh, peer and family recovery coach. I've done a TEDx talk. I'm a published mm-hmm. author mm-hmm. of one and soon to be two books. Um, wow. The first is titled Junk Box Diaries. Um, I've been clean for six years mm-hmm. and I struggled with active heroin addiction for 14 years. I got clean when I was 29, uh, not quite six years in April. It'll be six. Wow. I got clean when I was 29 in a jail cell. Um, and, uh, you know, mm. I was one of those lost cause, um, statistic eating out of garbage cans, uh, shooting up wow. with toilet water, Oh. holding cardboard signs, sleeping mm. under bridges, mm. uh, you know, homeless street people, dope fiend types. Wow. And then God intervened in my life and mm. uh, put me on a path with a purpose, mm-hmm. and I have never looked back. Wow. Now, I would say that that's a pretty good indication that there is hope for people who are hooked on drugs and or alcohol. <laughs> absolutely it sounds like i, de- I deal with them every day how many people um, gave up on quick, you right all of them yep yep um wow. just real quick though if i can yeah. uh make a little mention about that essay yes um as powerful and beautifully written um as it was i mm. mean it gave me chills as you were reading it yeah um no one wants that that's right no one wants that. That's right. it, you know, that's the, that's the misconception that people have about mm-hmm. addiction and mm-hmm. specifically opioid addiction. You know, right. I struggled with, with IV heroin use for a, a long time and not yeah. once mm. did I wake up and say to myself, you know, how can I break my grandmother's heart today? Yeah. Or how can I absolutely make my mom and dad lose their mind for the next six years? Right. This is what I want to right. do. Yeah. You know, the, the way that I kind of equate opioid addiction, uh, you know, to, to John Q. Public is it's not intentional. Right. It's instinctual. Mm-hmm. It is on a deep vestigial level you know, for the opioid addict to get heroin and to get, you know, opiates and opioids, Mm. um, is as stinks is as instinctual to me as breathing. Yeah, that's right. You know, that's right. It's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a default mechanism. You know, it reprograms my brain Mm -hmm. to where, you know, the second that sick hits me, all bets are off. Right. Well, you reminded me of a, you reminded me of a statement here. Uh, the narrative addiction is a disease is a lie to make that a truthful statement. Remember to add one word caused addiction is a disease caused by the use of addicted substances. If we don't begin to spread the truth, people will not know the truth. And I, I, I don't know if that's particularly applicable, but the point is that yes, when you first started, I, from reading your book, um, you know, first started smoking that cigarette and then, pot and then the drinking okay those first few times was not um addiction it wasn't a disease in your life but it became that mm-hmm. yeah, and you know it, you know, it, it, it is caused by choice you know and for people to scrutinize and stigmatize uh you know drug addicts for their particular disease mm-hmm. you know it typically starts and stems from the adolescent ages, right. you know, but it's easy for people to scapegoat drug addicts because drug addicts sin differently than they do, right. you know? So, Oh, right. look at that yeah. drug addict. What yeah, a yeah. loser, yeah. but I'm going to go squander my company's money or I'm going to beat my wife or I'm going to mm. neglect my kids or I'm going to gamble or I'm going to watch porn. Mm. Like everybody sins differently. That's right. You know, sin is and sin. we wouldn't mm-hmm. want, to hold somebody accountable and re-crucify them and re-crucify them for the mistakes they made at 15 years old. Right. Yes. Addiction starts as a choice mm-hmm. and people are like, well, it's not a disease because it starts as a choice, yeah. but Oh, I have chlamydia. 
well, that's yeah. a disease, and it started as a choice. Right. You or, know, or so heart that disease. Whole argument is dead. Heart disease, cancer, diabetes. Heart disease, yeah. diabetes. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. They're, a lot of those are self-inflicted, but they're not stigmatized. They're not looked down upon or criticized or, or thrown to the side. No, there's lots right. of lots of help and, 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 and still maintain respect. Um, I want to get into something else here, uh, Herb, but I, I did go a little bit late in bringing you in. Um, can you hang on That's for a couple okay. minutes while we uh, pay some bills, as they say in the business? Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. Okay. Thank you, Herb. We'll be right back. I think that's my cue to get back on the radio. Good evening and welcome back to Recovering Hope. Uh, my name is still Mark Markley and on the phone with me is Herb Stefferson of Junk Box Diaries. And Herb, I tell you, I was just talking to the, somebody at the station here about your book. Um, you want to give it a quick plug before we move on? Uh, yeah, sure, absolutely. The uh, name of the book is Junk Box Diaries, uh, Day in the Life of a Heroin Addict. Uh, my name is Herb Steverson. It's available on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, Books A Million. Uh, I think you can even uh, score a couple cheap copies on eBay. Uh, anywhere books are sold online, it's on Apple Books, um, Kindle, all that cool stuff. Um, <laughs> but it essentially um, covers my experiences into addiction um, and my journey to recovery. Uh-huh. Um, you know, it's, so, yeah, it's... it's, it's kind of a pretty raw uh visceral tell-all memoir um ages probably 16 and up yeah it is and i'll tell you it's a, it's a really fast read um and as i was starting to read it you know the, they're short chapters it took me a while to realize okay this is a diary <laughs> you know that's why they're mm-hmm. only you know one or two pages and on to the next wild and crazy time i'll tell you her but it's amazing um i'm just so proud of you as i'm sure you've heard that many times from friends and family and such a great example uh, to those that are um perhaps still trapped in this in this demonic battle i saw something that you posted i think it was this morning um it says ladies and gentlemen i'm humbled and excited beyond measure here please give this a look and read i present it uh, i present to you house bill 1153 I proposed this last year as I continue to encounter gaps and obstacles in my field. I'm asking any and all of you that would care to do so to pray for and support this legacy mission of mine. I truly believe that it will save exponentially more lives than we can even imagine here in our great state. Uh, thank you to State Rep. Robin Shackelford for so graciously and tirelessly representing us Hoosiers and carrying this bill to the General Assembly. I need you to explain that. What, what bill is it and what are they doing and can we maybe do that in our area? You absolutely can and you Good. should. Good. And um, one thing I think that is way more important um, to plug other than my book, um, first of all, I don't know uh, what kind of uh, whatever this is, but this is our interview. Um, but there's uh, a couple people listening. Um, that I owe a great deal of gratitude to, as well as yourself, sir. Yeah, well, go right um, ahead, please. When 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 my brother was struggling, we intervened on his uh, on his crazy self, mm-hmm. and we took him to a program in Wilmington, North Carolina, called Lifeline Treatment Center. Mm-hmm. Um, and that began Lucas's journey. Mm-hmm. Um, and I do have his permission to share his name. Good. Um, but uh, to you. And that is exactly how you and I met. That's right. Was through his journey Mm -hmm. to Lifeline Treatment Center, to Prodigal Recovery, to you and your son, to you and your organization. And it's just really cool how it comes full circle. Yeah, yeah. And now here we are talking here. Who would have thought, Um, huh? Mm -hmm. And then even more so, you know, the book is great and all. And I always have family members tell me, oh, I gave your struggle, my struggling son your book. And I'm, I'm flattered, and I'd be healthy, yeah. uh, happy to, to sign it. But my book is not going to save him. Right. 
You know, I'm an interventionist. My Mm -hmm. company is Genesis of Recovery. Genesis, like the first book of the Bible. Mm -hmm. Genesis, like the beginning. Genesis, like planting the seed. Mm -hmm. And we do interventions. We do sober coaching. We do family workshops, keynote speeches, anything Mm -hmm. that pertains to the nature of addiction or the culture of recovery. Mm -hmm. And our phone number is 219-916-7236. So that's way more important to me um, to actually be able to be the hands and feet of God, to actually stand in that gap to serve others mm. than plugging a book, although I'm happy to do both. Yeah, I want to re- I want to repeat that number. Hold that thought. 219-916-7236. If there are people in this area that you know pretty well, um, could you direct them to an interventionist here? Um, I haven't made those contacts directly uh, recently anyway. Uh, we actually do interventions in all 50 states in Canada. Oh, wow. Um, we, we specialize in moving quickly. We specialize in connecting, exposure, educating the family. So if somebody mm. in Tallahassee, Florida, or Juneau, Alaska mm-hmm. called and said, I need you, my son's addicted to heroin, we, mm. we would be there tomorrow. Wow. Wow. Yeah, we move quickly. Okay. Now you were we you were beginning to say um, something else there. Did you did you hold that thought? Yes, sir. I was just yeah, I held that thought. I was Good. just gonna <laughs> answer your question about uh House Bill eleven fifty three. Correct. So um I've been doing interventions and working with addicts and their families mm-hmm. uh for five years now. Mm-hmm. But I have also been in the penal system, in the judicial system in the prison system Mm -hmm. i'm the medicaid kid i'm the you know wrong side of the tracks kid i've been denied treatment i've been locked up etc and then when i really got into doing what i'm doing now Mm -hmm. you know there's that expression to you know be who you needed when you were struggling Uh uh-huh i like you know see a need see a need fill a need Mm -hmm. and so i've noticed that there were glaring gaps and obstacles for people um in jail people getting turned away here that and the other you know and i'm like well i'm not just gonna notice these you know because i do a lot of talks i've done keynote speeches i've done a Mm -hmm. ted talk Mm -hmm. you know and a lot of people that's all they do yeah and i'm like well wait a minute why am i gonna stand up here and talk about these gaps and barriers and not do something about it. Right. So what I did was I put together some bill proposals mm-hmm. um, and they turned out to be house bill 1153, uh-huh. uh, which is going to the general assembly. Mm-hmm. And one of them, I don't know how it works in North Carolina, but here in Indiana, um, our stuff is our state insurance is the healthy Indiana plan. Who's your health wise Medicaid? And I noticed that there were people who were sitting in jail that needed treatment. Mm -hmm. And the problem is they'll sit in jail and they have to wait until they're adjudicated if they can't bond out. Right. Or even so, they have to wait to get a bond. Mm -hmm. And in my field, there's this thing called medical necessity. Uh Okay. So medical necessity essentially means. If I walk into a hospital claiming I have a broken leg, I need a cast and some Vicodin, Mm -hmm. they're not going to give me a cast and some Vicodin. They're going to do their due diligence. They're going to actually diagnose the broken leg and say, I need, I need a cast. Right. And it's the same way with addiction Mm -hmm. and people are getting denied, 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 denied treatment because they've been quote unquote sober sitting in jail for a month. Mm Mm-hmm. And one of the aims of House Bill 1153 is to do away um, with any forced cessation, anybody who's been incarcerated, anybody who's been, you know, unavailable, you know, unable to reach a treatment center, forcibly abstinent, cannot be denied coverage for treatment due to that. Hmm. The other one is the other aspect of 1153 is. So let's say I walked into a hospital and I wasn't doing well. And I said, I'm going to kill myself. Yeah. They would automatically put me on a psych hold. Right. They would automatically spring into action and get me the help that I needed. Mm -hmm. But here in Indiana, the common practice is there's even a term for it. Treat them and street them. Uh Give them Narcan, bring them back. 
right. get them on their feet and kick them out the door. Right, right. House That's... Bill 1153 makes it law that if an overdose is brought to your hospital, you must utilize an interventionist, counselor, social worker, or another competent professional mm -hmm. to actually do a bedside intervention and a hot handoff to a treatment center. Wow. That's fantastic. Because statistics show 70% go on to overdose again within the next week. Wow. Wow, that's great. The other aspect of 1153, because I'm here in Indiana, um, we're, you know, and this, this gets deep with political and stuff, but yeah. let's just say here they call methadone the gold standard. Uh-huh. And what they really mean by that is gold mine. Yeah. Why would yeah. we want them to get sober? Why would we want them to get clean? Right. Because a, a, a client who gets clean is a customer that's lost. Mm -hmm. So 1153 introduces more stringent audits to the methadone providers, establishes a timeline for cessation, wow. et cetera. Because what we're seeing is these methadone clinics are just doling it out at 130, 140 milligrams a client. Wow. They're using other drugs on top of it. Mm -hmm. They're nodding out behind the wheels. They're killing people. Mm. And they're giving birth to methadone-addicted babies. Wow. Which then the other aspect of 1153 is to counsel all women who are or could become pregnant on mm -hmm. the effects of methadone in utero and offer them birth control. Mm -hmm. You know, which would keep... The, the harm from being passed on to an innocent newborn child. Yeah. Boy, that's so, very comprehensive. How long were you working on that? Uh, well, I actually wrote the bill proposal in about 30 minutes. Okay. But I, I put it all together in my head mm -hmm. over the course of about six months. All right. And, um, and it's really cool, too, because I was, at first it was just kind of like a pipe dream. Mm -hmm. When I introduced it, mm -hmm. and it's been endorsed by the entire state's sheriff's association. Wow. So it's going to pass. Nice, nice. I was going to say, where yeah. does it stand right now? So it's in, um, I forget the term they use for that, when it's it's being considered. Legislature. Okay, that's where it sits now. Yeah, it, mm -hmm. yeah it's done. It's ready. It's a full bill. It's officially a bill. Wow. And once it passes in the General Assembly, it will become law. So we can look this up. Just look up Bill 1153. House Bill 1153. House Bill, okay. State of Indiana, Robin Shackleford. Okay. All and right. there's, this, there's more on the way, but these are just the ones that got picked up that I proposed. Now, on your Facebook page, um, I don't know, was there a link to that? On uh, your Facebook? Yeah, I shared the article, and when you open the article, it's House 53 in blue. It's a right. hyperlink. If you just touch that, it'll take you right to the, the details. Mm -hmm. Okay, good. And, folks, and your Facebook page is, is your name or Junk Box Diaries. Can you get to it either way, Herb? Yeah, just Facebook Herb Steverson. Okay. You can Facebook Herb Steverson, uh, author of Junk Box Diaries. Okay. Uh, Genesis of Recovery, HerbSteverson.com, GenesisOfRecovery.com. Okay. I'm okay. on LinkedIn. Okay. Yeah, you can just Google me, and you'll see what I'm up to. I'm pretty open about what yeah. I'm doing. And the last name is S-T-E-P-H-E-R-S-O-N, correct? Correct. Okay. Yeah, folks, plethora of information here. I've been reading his stuff for quite a while. It's like every other day, you know, you have another soul has made that journey, stepped into recovery, whether it was a result of intervention or, or some other means, and – um Man, oh, man, just one of the last things I wanted to, to touch base with you here is um, what have you seen the impact of COVID and addiction in, in your part of the world in Indiana? Um, it's bad. Yeah. You know, um, we kept hearing the term vulnerable population mm. and not to discredit or be callous toward the elderly or those with uh, pre-existing conditions. Right. By the way, I lost my brother, my older brother, to COVID, who had zero underlying conditions. Wow. Zero. He was not a vulnerable population. Wow. He lost his battle August 29th of last year. Oh my gosh! Um, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. Mm. Yeah, it was it was the most uh, traumatic, mm. um, painful experience of my entire life. Wow. I thought losing my mother was bad, and it was horrible, but there's mm. no pain like losing a sibling, man. Wow. Um, but anyways, uh, 
so what we've noticed is, I mean, I did a talk with a, a, a local church here last summer. Mm-hmm. Um, the impact of COVID was actually, it was, it was very strange because it closed all of the healthy outlets. Mm-hmm. Meetings were shut down. Uh, gyms were closed. Social yeah. clubs were closed. Therapies were closed. Schools were closed. Mm. But alcohol yeah. sales, yeah. dispensaries mm-hmm. sales, all of that stuff were uh, necessary business. You know what I mean? They were, yeah. it, were right. essential. Essential, business. right, right. Essential business, mm. you know. And here in the state of Indiana, alcohol sales last year were up 247%. And, mm. you know, I could just see it. People yeah, were yeah. quarantined. People were locked in. They had nowhere yep. to go. Nothing they to were do. drinking like like fish. Yep, yep. You know, they were isolated. They had mm. no healthy outlets. Right. You know, plus you factor in you fact hang on one second. Sure. Live show, folks. I do apologize. That's okay. Um and then you fact then you then you factor in uh, everyone getting these massive stimulus checks uh-huh. and, you know, this extended unemployment, right? you know, right. and so they're essentially being paid to stay home mm. and all of the things that us addicts suffer from are expounded and exacerbated yeah. fear, anxiety, panic, stress, yep. isolation, yep. you know, mm. and it just grew and grew. Mm. And, you know, I think I've taken more calls since COVID started, um, probably by double than wow. I had in any other non-COVID year. Wow. Yeah, that doesn't surprise me much. From what I've read, um, overdose deaths are up 40% from last year or, or prior to COVID, let's say, because last year was too soon. That was hopefully the worst of it. Um, and all those factors that you just mentioned, I mean, these are the things that, that I think – many of which cause somebody to turn to excessive drug and or alcohol use. And mm-hmm. you, know, you just mentioned the stress, the anxiety, the pressure, the joblessness, and then boom, you know, Uncle Sam hands you a bunch of money, but you can't go out. So yeah, we, we've seen an increase um, in, in the, the, the need for a bed at prodigal recovery. Um, yesterday alone, I had to turn three guys down. We've been full for I don't even know how many months, you know, which is good because it pays the bills, but but it's at the same time it's bad. I I, I almost wish it it wasn't so busy. Um, right, yeah. and you know what's even crazy too, and I I'm sorry I want to interject while I have no, this go thought. Ahead. Yeah, is there was a time, and I can say it now because um, it's you know you know uh, 2020 is hindsight, mm. but there was a time here when our county jail was mm. turning people away. Yeah, here like, too. They would have, yeah, they would arrest people. And unless it was like a seriously mm. violent offense, mm-hmm. they would just give them essentially an arrest ticket yeah. and turn them away and just tell them, hey, we'll contact you when it's safe. Mm. You know, so people couldn't even detox and get their head straight in the, in the drunk tank. Right. You right. know, the treatment centers were closed. Everything yeah. was shut down. Wow. Here's 1200 you know, $2,000, whatever. And mm. by the way, the liquor store is essential business. Uh, yeah. It was a recipe for disaster. Yes, and it's it still is to a to a too large of a degree. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, folks, if you'd like to learn more from Herb, um, Facebook page Herb Stefferson, S T E P H E R S O N, author of Junk Box Diaries. His number two one nine nine one six seven two three six. Intervention in all fifty states. Give us a a short clip, if you will, on on intervention, Herb. You know, from from the time somebody says, perhaps this is what we should do, however you think the process begins. Okay, so um, if you had a beautiful rose bush in your yard and it was absolutely blooming and growing, it was gorgeous, it smelled good, it was healthy, you loved it so much, Mm. and it became ill and sick and infected with fungus and it started to die, Mm -hmm. you wouldn't just spray it, you know, to nurse it back to health. You would... Uh dig it up and move it to some healthy soil and nurture Mm. it back to life. Mm. And essentially intervention is the same type of, you know, approach. Like Mm -hmm. I can get people into treatment 
with the best of the best in the country. And that ain't even a, a big thing. Yeah. That's like 1% of the journey is to actually get them detoxed. Mm-hmm. The goal is long-term recovery. And that starts in the home, mm-hmm. you know, and I've kind of coined a phrase that, you know, if the family doesn't change, the addict never will. That's and right. so what we focus on is education. We focus on boundary setting and really expose the disease of addiction for what it is, mm. connect with the suffering soul and it's behavior modification 101. Mm-hmm. You know, we're steering you toward the path that you're supposed to be on. We're making recovery the most comfortable option. We're structuring your family system around you with the guidance of a consummate professional mm-hmm. who can help you make those tough decisions, mm-hmm. you know, and we're going to rally around you just like you had cancer. Just like you were on your deathbed because you very well might be, you know, and when the family gets a formal education Mm. and gets some training and a plan, Mm -hmm. statistically, the odds of the addict staying clean, clean, long-term go up exponentially, you know, um, um, it's a beautiful thing. It is Herb. I love that Rosebush analogy. That's very apropos. I think. Thank you so much for your time. We're up against the clock here. Once again, Herb Stefferson, 219-916-7236. Until next time, my friend, look forward to seeing him back on Facebook. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. I'm sure you'll see me on there tomorrow. God bless all right, you thank all, you. and uh, be nice humans, okay? You too, bud. Thank you. My best you to your brother. Care. See you. All right, bye-bye. Yes, sir. Bye-bye. That's going to wrap it up, folks. I, I did not get to some of the information that I had, but I usually do have, you know, quite a bit to cover. And I'm so glad that we had the conversation with Herb. Um, Thank you all. Remember there is hope in recovery. Don't ever, ever give up. Thank you. And God bless.